0: Broken Pie Chart podcast, episode 68. I'm your host, Eric Moore. This week, we're going to be talking about, is inflation really bad? Why does everybody seem to be worried about inflation? And how is inflation good maybe for consumers in some regards? How is it bad? And why is this problem with deflation really tied up to uh, it, it hurts debt? And holders of debt. And when you think about debt, there's no debtor larger right now than the the US government. Um, seems like they're spending trillions of dollars every week, or at least trying to at, at this point. So you're gonna hear, I'm starting to hear a lot about, you know, are our prices, is inflation not only gonna be lower, but are we actually running the risk of deflation? And what does that mean? So in some regards, I mean, you might think, OK, well, if prices drop, that's kind of good for consumers, isn't it? And we've seen certainly a lot of industries over the years that things have dropped. In some industries, you know, they, they don't drop. So to kind of before we get into this, um, I'll say that no, deflation isn't necessarily bad. If you are a consumer, maybe if you're a company But there's different types, different causes, and what happens to margins. It gets a little bit, you know, kind of that classic it depends word. But there's no doubt about it, if you are a issuer of debt, like the US government, um, a lot of people think you can inflate your way out of debt. Uh, Of course, that means you don't necessarily keep adding to it. But that's another story. Um, And I'll show you how this is really a problem for uh, for debtors, so first of all, wh- what is deflation? What's inflation? How should you even sort of look at this? Okay, so uh, I'm going to link to a couple past episodes we did. We did um, how the value of the dollar is—you know—you're losing value, purchasing power over the years. I'll link to that episode. I'll link to—I uh, think I've got a couple episodes. Um, we and this also get into into the idea we mentioned this in the episode. On you know, should you throw money or your mortgage, or should you and uh, you know systematically invest it, the extra payments you would have made into the into the market, um, I'll link to that episode as well because this also plays into the fact that you know if you have inflation, the value of your debt theoretically uh, goes down over time. So we're thinking about inflation. Uh, remember the old? You probably remember this from. You know, first couple of weeks of uh, an econ 101 course and generally inflation uh, is measured by what's called the CPI the consumer price index and there's pros and cons and debate about whether it's the right measure how they measure it the weighting uh, but in theory you've got this basket of goods and you know you you go and you have that basket at the at the grocery store and we're theory theoretically at the grocery store and, uh, you know, if you had a basket that was big enough, you know, you'd put a, a car in there, you'd put milk, eggs, bread, salmon, chicken, uh, you know, owner equivalent rents <laughs> for houses. I won't get into that. Uh, anyway, housing cost, medical cost, education, all those things, you put it into a basket and you'd say, if I had these, this group of goods, what would the cost of everything in that basket be? And then, you know, it's weighted by like- you don't need uh, thousands of thousands of pounds of eggs, uh, but you might need a car. You might need a you know a place to live, and so eggs might be weighted one something of the you know a tiny percentage of the overall basket, if that makes sense. And over time, the CPI, and I'll link to this if you Google CPI and Fred, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. That uh, that shows what the CPI is over time. So, for example, you know back in uh, In 1982, and why am I going to 1982? Because I'm going to show you. (laughs) We talk about adjusting for inflation and and productivity gains and and how different things have gotten cheaper. Uh, I'm going to use that year as an example. But 1982, the CPI, in theory, would be $96.53. Remember everything you put into the basket? How much would the basket cost? You pay your $96, you walk out. In 1999, uh, the CPI was uh, uh, was it one sixty six point fifty eight. So if you go to the store, buy your basket, fill it up, uh, one hundred and sixty six. Uh, great. I walk home with the basket. How I put a car in the basket? And I can walk anyway. It doesn't matter. And then in two thousand nineteen, at the end of two thousand nineteen, the CPI was uh, two fifty five sixty five, and so that was. Um, the CPI in at the end of 2019. Now, I haven't checked it. I, I'm going to Google uh, as we're doing this here. Uh, CPI Fred and uh, and typically they use kind of the all all items urban consumers one. Um, and actually, what you found is uh, you know at the end of 2019. Um, Actually, what was this? You know, I might have the wrong one for I guess technically the end of 2019 was 258.44. I think in my example is I use 255. Anyway, uh, February was 259, right? So that's the cost of the basket in theory. And then March, uh, and then we have the April numbers now. It's actually gone down a little bit. And so we've seen a decline. In the CPI, and so in theory, you've got a, a little bit of deflation there, uh, but I think it's it's still too early to tell. But um, and by the way, there there is uh, it's kind of beyond the scope of this, but they used to just say it's a fixed basket, so you have this and this and this, and you put it in the basket. Um, then they did what's called substitutes, where they said, well, if chicken goes to you know fifty dollars a pound, you're not going to buy chicken, you're going to buy beef. That seems reasonable, and then later. They change it again, they do what's called a hedonic adjustment. What is that? It just means let's say an iPhone is a thousand dollars last year and now it's two thousand they sort of um, they do an, an adjustment based upon the increase in the quality or the speed or the offering whatever it is so you know if you get double the value in theory you didn't have really any inflation on that iPhone but anyway I'll, I'll just leave that there so this idea of is um, is inflation? Um, do we need inflation? And why is everybody so scared of deflation? I mean, you hear people saying, "Uh-oh, we're going to be—if we have deflation, that could be a problem." I mean, what's what's wrong with falling prices? And this gets into a, a little bit about what's what's sort of good examples of prices being lowered, and and what are bad ones. And I would say, in general, over time, uh, you would think, "Okay, well." Uh, wouldn't it be good if, if the cost of everything that we bought went down? Well, there's, there's a couple of caveats to that. Number one is, um, if your wages go down you know, by 10% and everything that you normally buy goes by, down by 10%, well, you, you didn't gain anything. But if your wages go up 10% and everything else stays, stays constant, well, now you have 10% more, more cash in your pocket. And so you're paying less for the stuff that you need. So, I pulled, I'll put a link to this chart, uh, but I pulled up a link to uh, what is this price changes, January 1997 to December of 2017. And it was kind of interesting just how different some of the inflation or deflation has been with certain items. So, for example, if we look at the chart, the overall inflation, that's what it's probably, what, a little bit over 20 years, right? Because January 97 to January 2000. Anyway, it's about 20 years. Um, the overall inflation was up 55.6%. And so if you annualize that, uh, and you can annualize that by saying, you know, the decimal of that is 0.556. So one plus 0.556. And then you do, on if you turn your iPhone calculator, don't do this if you're driving, but you turn your iPhone, your are Android phone calculator horizontally, you do 1.556, and then you hit that X of Y button. That's an exponent. And then you do um, that to 1 divided by 20, which is like 0.05. Anyway, it winds up being about, uh, what is that, about 4, about 2.2% annualized. Okay. So that's what prices in general have been going up. And so What's fascinating is uh, new cars, household furnishings, and clothing. There's been pretty much no inflation in the cost of those things, and since wages have gone up, though wages have been going up at uh, you know more than more than that general fifty-five percent, going up a little bit more. But let, let's say wages are going up you know three percent annually or something like that. And anyway, um, you've been able to buy more clothing for your dollar more household furnishing and more more a car um, and and cars are a little bit different because also if your borrowing costs are less right if you borrow twenty thousand dollars at ten percent versus at you know zero percent interest that's your cost but that that's with a loan um, but those have, have virtually remained unchanged um, so again you can buy more car more you know although house uh, cars theoretically have, have gone up a little bit um, because all the, the technological stuff they put in there, but cell phone service is down about fifty percent. Uh, software and toys are down—I don't know, like sixty to seventy percent. And then TVs, TVs are something like you know ninety-eight percent cheaper than they were back in January of nineteen ninety-seven. And that's all good stuff, right? If I mean we're paying less for our cell phones, less for uh, toys and clothing and cars haven't gone up, TVs. I mean, TVs, they're, they're practically giving them away right now, right? But here's the bad side of this. Um, so housing, housing is pretty much, you know, it goes up with uh, inflation, food and beverage, same thing. It's up about 55% or about 2.2% annually. Um, and I should mention, you know, when I'm saying 97% is the drop in price of TVs, that's over 20 years. So you need to annualize that. But the cumulative inflation we just said was plus 55.6%. And then childcare and medical care services are up like 120%. Um, but here, here's the crazy ones college textbooks, college tuition are up, uh, you know, something like 180 to 200%. And hospital services, uh, you know, over 200%. And so, um, by the way, it's kind of a good example of, um, you know, when you think about hospital services, and we'd have to do a whole different webcast, probably in multi parts, to talk about the problems in, in healthcare and insurance. But you know, healthcare for a lot of people who have insurance; they don't even care what something cost. Um, so, the, you know, there's no skin in the game for consumers theoretically to, to bargain and and do those things. Then college textbooks and college tuition. Um, what do you really What do students have unlimited? Uh, access to, I mean, theoretically, have unlimited access to student loans, and so colleges and textbook providers could keep raising their prices up and up and up. But if students can get loans, I guess you know they can. Uh, that gives those two areas the ability, and that's that's another podcast in itself. Uh, but general, you would say, okay, well, prices going down is really good. So, what would make a price go down? And you can kind of see sometimes uh, if you've got complicated things like, you know, uh, medical services or hospital services, right? You've got the insurance problem in there. And, um, but, you know, in government involvement, government backs loans, uh, issues loans for college tuition and textbooks. Um, you know, I suppose if you gave unlimited funds or loans for, to buy a TV, they could have kept the price up further as well. But here's good deflation. Good, good deflation is, you know, if you have productivity gains, if you've got innovations, technological innovations, uh, more efficiencies, and, you know, that's that's really good. And one of the key points on this is, let's say that a company uh, makes 100% gross margin. I mean, let's say they they manufacture something and it costs them 100 bucks, and they sell it for 200 bucks, and they make 100% margin, right? 100 bucks in on every. $100 to, to, to build and, and, and create, um, and they sell over $200. Well, if prices go down um, to $100 and 50 you know, $101, and your cost is still $100 to make something, well, your margins have evaporated. And so now you're only making a gross margin of essentially 1%. So in that case, um, and maybe in that you know that would be an example of maybe bad deflation where demand drops, margins are erased um, and things like that. Um, but if you have a technological innovation, and now this company can make something for50 dollars and sell it for $100 dollars, well price you know got cut in half, but also the cost to make the product got cut in half. And so you've got technological innovations. Um, and that's good. It, it maintains margins and, and things like that. The other thing that people always seem to, to worry about deflation is the idea that if consumers believe that prices are going to go down in the future, why would they actually buy something? Um, why why would they, you know, why would they do that? Well, I mean, I think prices falling, um, you know, is, is good in a general sense. Um, as long as it, it, prices aren't falling because everyone's losing their job and wage, wages are going down and there's no demand, um, in, you know, in the market. Um, people would put off purchases, obviously, uh, because if they're unemployed, I mean, that that's problematic, right? And they shift what they spend their money on to only essential things if they can. But, um, you know, computers have been going down. TVs have been going down every every year. Um But people don't necessarily put off the purchases of those items. I mean, if you are kind of need a computer and the computer that you have uh, stops working, you might say, well, you're not going to say, I'll go without because I think they're going to be cheaper or I'll get more for the more bang for my buck a year from now. Um, You're just going to get the computer, right? So... I think it's, you know, with cars right now, that's an interesting one. A lot of people are trying to see, you know, should I buy a car? Because um, they've got so much supply glut on, on the lots. Will they bring down prices? Maybe some people are, are waiting. Uh, although I think more of that is, uh, uh, you know, not only um, from places not being open, but also, uh, you know, unemployment, right? But anyway, so, I mean, I, I think deflation can be good. Deflation can actually be good. Um, but the, with the caveat is if if you've got some sort of an economic situation and unemployment's going up and wages going down, demand drops, um, typically if margins are going down, you know, corporations might have to, that might lead to layoffs, that might lead to uh, uh, you know not not innovating as much and different things like that. Um, but one of the interesting things too is so. If you look, um, one of the ways to, to do this is and if you want to measure uh, the cost of something, remember we talked about that that CPI, right? Um, and I'll give you an example of, of something there where deflation's actually been super helpful. It's hard to believe. remember I told you about 1982. Well, back in 1982 we had a, a number of issues with, The phone industry, long-distance industry, number one is if you wanted to get a phone, you had to get it from one company. Remember, it was AT&T had, you know, you didn't buy your own phone. You you went down to the store and you rented the phone. It was that beige phone, whatever it was with that long cord. And um, also, they they had a monopoly. And back in 1982, I forget where I got this from, the cost to make a 10-minute phone call from New York City to L.A., $5.15, $5.15. And that sounds egregious, right? You couldn't even imagine. I mean, think about it now. Uh, And by the way, the way you would uh, bring that into 2020 dollars is if you took the the cost of $5.15, the way to do this is your CPI, remember that cost of the basket in 1982 was $96.53. Uh, at the end of 2020, and I think I, I gave the wrong number, but I I've worked this out on, on my uh, notepad here. If we use 255.65, the way to inflation adjust um, dollars from one year to another, like the inflation adjusted price, you take the CPI today divided by the CPI for the year um, that you're, you want to inflation adjust it. So 255.65 divided by 96.53, uh, you get like two point something. Anyway, in 2020 dollars, that 5.15 in 1982 would be equivalent to spending $13.64. Could you imagine spending $13.64 today to make a 10-minute ten, ten phone call? I mean, of course not. Um, so that's deflation. Um, that's where prices have come down, not only from you know, breaking up the monopoly, but competition, free markets, uh, innovations in technology. Now we have cell phones. So that's not bad deflation. In fact, uh, one could argue that the price today of a phone call from New York to L.A. Uh, could be free in many instances. I mean, you can call anywhere—you know, Skype to Skype phone call anywhere in the world for free. You know, that's New York to L.A. Imagine what it was—New York to, to Rome or or uh, Barcelona or London back in nineteen eighty-two uh, for a ten-minute call. I'd, I'd have to look that up. So deflation, I mean, inflation happens in different parts of the market, but also deflation happens as well in different parts of the market. Some things, for one reason, up, go down, some, sometimes they- and so you would say as long as deflation is uh, a lowering of prices, greater productivity, innovations, technology, that seems all good, Right. Um, if it's caused by massive job loss, um, declining wages, uh, margin compression, um, that that could have, you know, consequences. So, but when people say that all deflation is bad, it's just not true. I mean, I, I'm sure most of us would like to uh, wouldn't want to pay today thirteen dollars to for a ten minute phone call. So, the problem though, where deflation gets tricky, is and this is. Part of my, my belief that, you know the Fed always wants to have this two percent inflation target, and they view deflation so bad, is because the value of debt would go up in real terms when you have deflation. I'll kind of explain this. So let's, let's go back 20 years to 1999. The CPI was 166 and changed, and you know last year it was 255 and change. So let's say you had a $100,000 loan in 1999. And inflation has been about 2.2% annualized over these 20 years. Well, if you change that $100,000 loan um, from $1999 to twenty uh, nineteen dollars um, the equivalent amount uh, in 2019 would be $153,468. OK? So let's, let's think about this. The value of debt um, due to inflation actually went down. OK, what does that mean? Well, forget about your payments. Imagine you still have this $100,000 loan. And um, you've, you've got this. And imagine you haven't paid off. It's still $100,000. Well, the equivalent today would be $153,468. So the value of that loan is actually you know, something like 53% less than, uh, um, than it would be today on an equivalency basis. So that's a good example of where the value of the debt went down. Let's flip that. Imagine we had um, you know about uh, the same deflation. and imagine it went from 255 and '99 on the CPI to 166 in 2019. Well, the $100,000 loan in equivalent dollars today, if we had that deflation all those years, would be only $65,160. So if you've got a loan for100,000 dollars? Um, the value of your loan in real terms went up, uh, meaning in, in theory, in today's dollars, you owe way more than you did previously. And if we if we equate that, maybe this will make uh, a little more sense. With uh, we think about the national debt, um, you know, there's a lot of people who believe we can inflate our way out of the debt, um, and there's some assumptions there. And one of the assumptions is that you're not going to spend any more money. Um, you're not necessarily going to pay it off, but you're not going to increase it. But in 2020, you know the national debt. Let's round it off and say it's about you know 22 trillion dollars, and I can't keep up with all the the bill, all the money that they're spending. It's probably going to be more in end of the year. And let's say that's our baseline. So we'll make our CPI 100 on an index. Okay. So imagine if um, the CPI went from 100 to 120. Uh, at the end of 2024, okay, so that's about a 4.7 percent annualized increase in inflation, and you're like, okay. So in 2020, the the debt was 22 trillion. In 2024 dollars, uh, to inflation adjusted, that same 22 trillion would be 26.4 trillion, okay. And here's why you can see when you have inflation. Uh, the value of the debt in real terms actually um, you know, goes down. And so you've probably heard about this GDP as a, as a uh, debt-to-GDP ratio. Okay? And there's different. There's debt held by the public, and then there's total uh, you know, GDP. Uh, but let, let's use an example of where the GDP of you know, gross domestic product, the, the value of all the finished goods in a year, is also twenty-two trillion, and your debt was twenty-two trillion. So your debt is hundred percent of GDP. Okay, not great, right? It's pretty high. Um, but here's the interesting thing: let's say GDP grows by four point seven percent on an annualized basis. Okay, and that's all it all it grew, the nominal, so not not uh, not real GDP because that would be uh, adjusted for inflation. Um, but now your GDP. Would be about you know 26.4 trillion, but if your debt stays constant at 22 trillion, your debt to GDP would go down. It would go down to 83.3 percent, and so hopefully that kind of shows you that um, that's one of the reasons why people and and let's say those um, looking at you know national debt um, and some who say you know we have to have inflation because unless you have If you have inflation, the value in today's dollars goes down. But if you have deflation, um, it it gets a little tough. And and here's how this works: Imagine we flipped it again. So now prices went down 4.7 percent a year. That 22 trillion dollars in 2020, um, if the CPI went from 100 to 80, uh, the 2024, the 22 trillion uh, in 2024 dollars. Uh, Would be equivalent of 17.6 trillion. Okay, but now you see that the problem, if you still have 22 trillion in debt, um, as a percentage of GDP, now it goes the opposite way, and so now your as a percent of GDP, if you take the 22 divided by the 17.6, now you've got, you know, what is that, 125 percent debt to GDP. So it gets a little bit wonky, um, but I think it's an important point where a lot of people, you know, you can see that this is one of the reasons why people fear inflation. It's because of debt. If, you are, if you've got debt and you've got deflation and the more you have of deflation, um, in theory, the value of your debt in real terms increases instead of decreasing on an inflation-adjusted basis. So to kind of wrap this, this up I'll put some the links in the show notes. There's a couple things that I, I think is important. Number one is just understanding the difference between inflation and deflation, and understanding um, there's good deflation that I think, um, goods and services going down, innovations. you know, if it costs a lot less to make things, I mean, you can imagine if you had, uh, you know, a cobbler. Wasn't the cobbler the, the guy who did the horseshoes, right? I think so. Imagine he had a guy in, in a you know a shack uh, making iPhones. Well, they would produce you know one at a time, um, and maybe you had all these cobblers. I can't, somebody have to email me. I think it's cobblers, right? Do the horseshoes. But you know, if you've got massive uh, international efficiency, you know, artificial intelligence machines. Uh, building these iPhones and factories, they can crank out tons of these, and their costs, you know, go down. And so, um, innovation, technology, causes good deflation, uh, cost efficiencies, and helps bring prices down. Um, you know, certainly a lot of people don't like Walmart, right? Because they feel like they they drive out some local businesses, but um, they're Efficiencies, their ability, you know, logistics and purchasing power—all this stuff um, has certainly caused lower prices. You know, you can argue about what's been the unintended consequences of that, um, but when you've got these massive efficiencies, you know, it sort of um, it sort of helps things out, right? So, you know, you bad deflation is when you know massive unemployment. Nobody wants it. Nobody can afford anything. Nobody wants anything. All these companies just have this glut of inventory. They got to reduce it down. They're not making any margins. They wind up having to cut more workers. They're not going to invest in new machine, you know, new machines or anything. Um, and then the other aspect of this, and it's sort of an unintended consequences of all this. Um, sometimes people look at the Fed and say, you know, interest rates are artificially low. Um, normally, when you have margins compress in in a space, um, you'll have people leave the space, and then once there's less competition, you know, margins rebound. One of the challenges, you, and I did a, an episode on zombie companies. I'll link to that as well. Where um, because of really low rates, some companies have been able to stick around um, because they just keep refinancing their debt at lower and lower levels, and by staying in the space and you know being non-productive firms. Um, maybe it keeps uh, keeps margins down. So, anyway, that's that's probably another episode. Any anyway, So, um, with that, uh, is inflation good? Is inflation bad? Hopefully, you have a, a little better understanding. I'll link to a bunch of stuff. Remember, please share this if you find value in it uh, and you think it's interesting. And uh, this was also an idea or a question from a listener. So, you can go to razorwealth.com and you can. Use the contact uh, me page. And if you have an idea for an episode or any comments, uh, please reach out. All right. Have a great week, everyone.